0: Welcome to Multiple Offers, a real estate show with competing perspectives. Today we are going to be talking about the top six mistakes sellers make when selling their home. We're going to be going over dual recusal, which is happening in the news. And we're going to be talking about the secret origins of Matt Brabins, Jeremy Ray and Jeff McLennan. Put that coffee down.
1: If you're good at something, never do it for free. How'd you get the gig? Oh, you know, they were hiring. It was only a two-week course. I will sell this house today.
0: What are you, some kind of real estate agent?
1: Oh, he's a realtor.
2: There is a difference somehow. This is Multiple Offers, a real estate show.
0: Alright, so this is episode two. Uh, I am Jeff McLennan. I'm here with Jeremy Ray and... Uh, our friend Matt Brabins Matt, I hear you have an update from our first episode
2: I do And you don't know about this yet, Jeff Because you haven't been around to see what's going on But we talked about our cars And yep. what we drive And I was looking to make a switch I did switched You, you got a new? Did you get a new truck? No, I'm not a truck guy anymore
0: <laughs> So all of that <laughs> is that, in That
2: whole bit of a hum, a truck guy This is the update? <laughs> <laughs>
0: it's gone <laughs> What What are you driving?
2: Hmm. It's a Honda pilot.
0: Okay. Yeah, so I don't know what that is.
2: Yeah, it's it's a manly minivan. <laughs> <laughs>
1: you, you couldn't even say that with a straight face. You <laughs> went from a truck to a family
2: vehicle. Yeah, and I'm having a hard time with it. Like I don't I might I'm happy with the vehicle, it's working out for me. It was a mm-hmm. family guy and we got all this stuff going on. I gotta put stuff in the car that doesn't get soaked in water sitting in the truck bed, but I am no longer identified as a truck guy.
0: I like that you held on to your truck just long enough to tell
1: everybody what it means to be a truck (laughs) owner. Thanks thanks for tuning in to what car is Matt driving this week? What does that say about you? And all your cars before were something that were, and I know we're not here to talk about cars, but it is funny to note that this is a real estate podcast. (laughs) Each one was something that was kind of unique when you saw it driving by. And you officially have a vehicle that, apart from us knowing your license plate number, we'll never know if we drive past you.
2: Absolutely. I'm full generic now.
1: Not that okay. Jeff knew. What kind of I I don't before. Either way, know either. Get license plate numbers.
2: Yeah. So uh, it it stung yesterday. I had an appointment with a guy who liked me when he first met me because I drove a pickup truck. Huh. And then I had to point well, out now, like, I don't you you have one anymore.
1: <laughs> oh, he was a truck guy. Did he have a sad face when you told him?
2: A little bit. But he also just sold his pickup truck and was driving a Toyota Sienna minivan.
0: So you're giving up together.
2: Yeah, we're okay.
0: <laughs> Still good. <laughs> <laughs> huh Yeah I'm I'm just Getting back into The swing of things Because uh, Like you said I've been away Matt uh, Or not Matt Jared and I Went to Vegas For the real estate convention <clears throat> You just left me behind Yeah Well we tried To get you to come That's some revisionist history <laughs> How many times Were you invited It's a lot Yeah a lot <laughs> A lot um, But Back into the swing of things Trying to get things going um, I was just thinking about This weird of how insane our real estate market is right now because I've got I got two new listings that we launched this week and both listings have had somebody call to apologize for booking a showing like you, you know the, the essentially the message is hi I know you're having an open house this weekend I'm really sorry my guy can't can't make it to the open house is there any way like maybe we can get you in Thursday or whatever and I was just thinking about. Like, when else in our history of selling real estate have you not been like, oh my gosh, you want to show up my property? Like, please, come. That come. would be, that was the norm. Yeah, you apologize to book a
1: showing. Because it's been two years plus Yeah, of not having that. Of no showings seems. until the open house. It's just a really weird, weird place where you play with them a little bit? And you're like, oh, <laughs> I don't know. It's vacant. Like, yeah. <laughs> Let me talk to the sellers.
0: <laughs> see if, see if we can accommodate your insane request. So that's funny.
2: It's totally true. I have a feeling it's going to be coming up a lot in so many things we talk about in that it's, now, like it's been two years of this consistency of limiting showings or how offers are done and all this stuff that it has become the norm for new agents. Like an agent who's only been in the business for three years feels like they have some experience now and they're an experienced agent. And they don't know anything about how the business was done for the 30 years leading up to that.
0: Well, were were you at that office meeting where the new agent, and I won't say uh, their name, asked around the table, like, my listing didn't sell in the first week. What do I do?
1: (laughs) (laughs) What now? Now, Do I call them? (laughs) Yeah.
0: (laughs) I I guess I just need to cancel the listing, right? It didn't sell.
1: It's over.
2: (laughs) We we had the one, too, where somebody was in our meeting and said... um, it wasn't competing. Like I'm negotiating. How, how do I do that? Hmm. And they'd been in the business at that point doing, they'd probably done 10 or 12 deals, but it was all like written offers. Yeah. But it was all just, well, I was one of 10 and it's either yes or no. They've never gotten a maybe.
1: (laughs) It's weird. It's been consistently like this for long enough that, yeah, there are, and anytime the market goes up, we have an influx of new agents. Mm -hmm. So there is this, you know, Though I think last year was a couple thousand. Probably it, within the past two years, there's been a, a few thousand new licenses. We're at 14,000 just
0: in Greater Vancouver now. That's think, not even including Fraser Valley. Board. Really? Yeah. So it's totally
2: distorted the norm in our business. And now we're all going to have to get used to even more sort of adaptations to how our business is done. Um, yeah. With things that they're trying to roll out through the uh, superintendent of real estate.
1: Yeah, that's, inter- that's kind of... Yeah, it's, it's weird to think about. I never really re- realized that it's been that long. Of, that it's been like this for so long that it has just become the norm and if you got into business in the past two years this is all you know um, I uh, I had for me this this week it's I mean kind of similar uh, you know in terms of multiple offers and things like that um, I got to write an offer with a buyer on a property we were competing but instead of half dozen offers we were competing with one other offer and we won with conditions which was, you know, every I don't know the past twelve offers I've dealt with, you know, probably okay, so four four plus offers. So to just have, and it's always a subject free. You always I, know the per- the price, but
0: okay. So just uh, just in case, there's people listening who don't know what conditions means. Explain that real quick
1: so back in the day <laughs> back back when I started real estate um actually you know because that was around 2008 when the market was crashing so that was a whole other whole other beast altogether um but I guess let's call it a balanced market you write an offer you are you've seen the place sometimes you see the place two or three times before you make up your mind you go see other places <laughs> and then you go and you see the place and you tell your realtor I would like to purchase this house you know, but shade, only if but only if and you and and you you agree on your price you agree on on your dates and things like that um But then you get about a week or so to say, I will buy this house for these terms, but give me a week to make sure my bank will sign off for it. So subject removal, subjects, conditions, whatever you want to call it. Um, Subject to financing. We'll have a home inspection. We'll do the free ones first. So we'll get the bank in touch with everybody. Um, You know, We'll go through if it's a strata property, we'll read the minutes. uh, We'll do our home inspection sort of last. Um, Things that just seem foreign at this point. Yeah, because now
0: if there are 10 offers... Really, to be competitive, the top three are all going to be subject free, and you just don't even have a chance if you're if you've got these things in your.
1: And it was weird because it wasn't even common; it wasn't necessarily common practice. But all of a sudden, people are you have a buyer who's like, "What do I need to do to have my offer be competitive?" Like, well, saying you want to have a home inspection in a week might not be helping you. And then just all of a sudden, buyers started accommodating everybody, and it got to the point that uh, yeah. So, anyways, I was surprised that I was able to write. An offer with uh with the condition to financing it,
2: absolutely it is It is shocking because that price point has been so competitive so well, mm-hmm. it blows my mind that you're able to do that
1: yeah what,
0: what price point are we talking about
2: 600
0: <laughs> yeah which, which in new west is essentially a, a two-bedroom condo at this point
1: exactly
2: is it is a two-bedroom condo and concrete tower
1: yeah good price yeah which is totally yeah totally fair I think. Okay,
0: so you were able to write an offer without multiple offers, which probably brings us to our news topic, which was really started by all of these insane multiple offers.
1: I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story, and I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen.
2: I got a newsflash for you, Walter Cronkite. I am enlightened.
1: Do it live!
0: I'll write it and we'll do it live! This is Multiple Offers, a real estate show. Okay, so our news story of today is all about dual recusal. You may have been reading that there are a bunch of changes coming to the real estate industry. Uh, this all started like two years ago uh, when there was a big when there was a big article in The Globe and Mail all about shadow flipping. Uh, we can probably put some links to that in the show notes if you want to get more info uh, but one of the suggested changes which was supposed to take effect uh, this month uh, was something called dual recusal and what dual recusal is is how do you handle it if your client is the seller and then one of your clients, either that you're working with now or is a past client wants to buy the property. Uh, And essentially the proposed change was that as the realtor, you're going to excuse yourself from both, you have to, so essentially, what is supposed to happen is in this situation, if you represent a seller and you have had dealings with the buyer in the past, you are supposed to excuse yourself completely from the deal. Uh, this is called dual recusal. Uh, what do you guys think about this? Oh, I forgot to talk about So, So essentially, dual recusal is uh, if you represent the seller as a realtor and... A past client shows up as the buyer. You are supposed to recuse yourself, uh, dismissing both the buyer and the seller. This was quite controversial, um, and it was supposed to take effect this month, uh, but Michael Knowsworthy? Is that his name? I think so. I, okay. okay, let's, let's say go Noseworthy. Go Um He is delayed it. The dual recusal is being reexamined, how they're going to do it. Uh, it's been put off to June 15th. What do you guys think about this? How should they deal with this? Well, I mean,
2: they need to just pay attention to the actual details. They need to pay attention to the rules that they're writing. (laughs) It's what it starts with. They made the announcement for these proposals in November. And ever since then, we have been getting sort of little bit, uh, let's call them releases from our our board and our local uh, council uh, trying to explain to us how these rules will actually be put into effect And that's what happened they wrote these proposed rules in november and then every now and then we get some explanations and it says one of them is going to be dual recusal so in this example you know you'll have to be completely removed from the transaction you can take no referral fees you get you earn zero income for your involvement and there have been tweaks and confusion ever since. They keep coming out with sort of new interpretations of the rules, right? And that's what's been the most confusing. And really all of our feedback was, we're just trying to keep up with this. There we were in January and February saying, okay, we're going to play We'll play ball. Tell us what the rules are. But they were just going to throw them at us like March 1st. Like, here's the new rules you're going to be using in two weeks. And they still had not given us anything to work with.
0: No, it was radio silence.
2: Yeah. And so we're going off some interpretations, some guesses. I think the the real most significant outcome that we've heard recently in the last few weeks, when they extended the application date or the implementation from March 15th to June 15th, is that the superintendent of real estate is saying, our intent in writing this was that the agent would still be involved in the transaction in some way. Hmm. That's the language they've been using for the last short while here
0: I hadn't seen that
2: our intent was that the agent was still involved but they won't say the intent was in what capacity or how it was so They're saying we're going to revisit this re-examine find a way for the agent to still be involved in this
1: yeah and I think like this was coming out of basically we need something here to try and protect the people right trying to come up with this is going on there's this thing called sh- call it shadow flipping I don't know was it globe in the mail globe and mail yeah. that actually sort of coined that phrase uh, and we won't, we could probably talk about that in another episode. I don't know if we really need to get into it. But anyways, something that was happening. And one of the, I guess, issues that it came from was agents that were maybe representing buyer and seller. Yeah. Whether it was, they took the listing on and someone, uh, some random shows up and says, I'm going to write with you. So, uh, or if it was one of their, their client. And I guess one of the challenges that we're having is what if that's your client, right? What if it's that person is actually someone that you've already been working with. And it seemed like at first they were they came up with um, you can't represent both, but it's okay if it's just a customer, which is the situation of it's a random. Off yeah, the that's street. a big myth. I'm not your realtor. Think
0: that they've said no double ending, which actually isn't what's been said at all. It's no representing both parties,
1: which means you, you have to pick who you're playing. Your with. allegiance is still to your if you were the listing. Yeah, I mean this is you were in this event. You're always the listing agent, so you're working with the sellers. And that's your thing, right? Yeah.
2: Sidebar on that, as far as gray areas for bad guys to do bad things in our industry, that opportunity is still there, right? So what they're saying is if you have an existing relationship with somebody you really want to look out for, you are not permitted to look out for them. You have to then send them to some, some new person. Um, but if somebody comes in who doesn't know you, you can just say, you're a customer to me. I don't need to give you much attention. I'll get paid for the whole transaction here, big healthy paycheck, and I don't need to give you any attention. And as a consumer, you are not protected.
1: And if you are one of those bad guys, you're trusting that they're they're gonna be the ones that are explaining because you got people that were like, What do you mean he wasn't my realtor? No, you're just a customer. You're just a guy off the street. He was working for the seller. Well that that's the problem, is the rules in
0: place as they were, if you followed them, actually did protect both parties. The problem is how do you enforce that people are following the rules? And I I think the issue like I don't think there's too many people who are saying it's a bad thing that you can't represent two parties because it's hard to do that correctly. And if you do it ethically, you can, but it's it's a lot of hoops you're jumping for. It's true. The, the problem is what Matt was talking about earlier is how does this work in practicality? I was explaining to it uh, to a client who was telling me, "Oh, I think this is all great," and then I said the most likely scenario. So, what if we've marketed your home for a week? We've said offers are on Monday. On Monday, we get 10 offers, which is likely in this current market. Mm. And randomly, one of those people is somebody that I've dealt with before, but has not talked to me in the slightest. I did not know they were writing an offer. They're working with another agent. I don't. It's a surprise to me. The way the rules were originally proposed, if that person shows up, I'm supposed to immediately recuse myself from the, the whole contract... Which means this multiple offer that we've spent a week marketing cannot happen tonight. We have to call all ten of those guys back and be like, "Sorry, yeah, I'm in conflict. I in conflict. <laughs> we're gonna have to do this later." Look, it's nine o'clock at night. I know you all want to buy this tonight, but my guy needs to find a new realtor.
1: Peace. <laughs> I'm out. <laughs> Which is potentially causing a big problem for your seller. Oh that's yeah, when I, I explained like, it to my guy, guy. he was like, like, "Are here. you kidding me?" And
0: I was like, "Nope. No, that's this is what this means." How it I mean, happens? Decide. So I, I mean. It, yeah, how it actually works in practice, I think, wasn't thought through, which is why they're having to delay this and figure it out. Yeah, it's I, complicated.
2: It is. I can't believe they thought they were just going to roll it out like March 1st and just say, here you go. And they hadn't provided us a single piece of documentation to tell us what was happening.
0: it's been two
1: years. They've been working on it for two years. Yeah, and it's hard, too, because it's coming from where the people are like, oh, of course the realtor doesn't want it. Like, no, it's not. There's... It's not necessarily that. Of course, there's going to be a couple of bad apples. They're going to find a way around this anyway, so it doesn't matter. The bad guys are going to find a way around. <laughs> but, but, uh, but, yeah, no. I mean, it's, it's. We got to figure out how it's actually happening. And I know that they, they knew. They all of a sudden realized. Okay, they said for, there was exemptions. So if you're in a small market, like you, you know, a place like two, you're never going to apply to us. Two, it's two, so limited. Yeah, yeah, it'll never apply to us. But yeah, in a town that has two realtors, two realtors, you're like, <laughs> this what, doesn't. What work. am I supposed to do? i'll I'll make it quick um yeah, I mean this the whole the whole thing I mean, not that we're our jobs to look out for our clients. this isn't something that the three of us here are soliciting these double lenders as we call them in I guess you know in the industry and I'm sure the public kind of is aware of that, but it's very rare it might happen once once a year or something but but still, when it does happen, it could be very detrimental to a seller or and a buyer, both sides. So that's what we're concerned about, not necessarily that it's...
0: Yeah, and I, I think we realize that, you know, Noseworthy and everybody else, I mean, all they're trying to do at the end of the day is to protect the public from the scumbags that are out there. It's right? coming no, from a good place. No, nobody here is saying this is... Like, that their intention is out of line. It's just maybe the way they're seeing getting there doesn't work in practicality. I think that's it, right? I mean, they, they want to protect people from the scumbags which is great um and you know we here at multiple offers we want to protect people not only from the scumbags but from ourselves from themselves uh which i think brings us to what we want to talk about today the top six reasons or the top six mistakes sellers make when selling their home
1: now you want to get nuts come on let's get nuts you decide your own level of involvement. Well, I guess this is a case where we'll have to agree to disagree. I don't agree to that. Neither do I. Wrong. National debt. Wrong. wrong. Advocating. Wrong. wrong. With that money wrong. lost.
2: Wrong. Very nice words, but happens to be wrong. You're listening to Multiple Offers, a real estate show.
1: So, main topic today: we're talking about. Mistakes that sellers make. Um, I think Jeff, you probably have uh, probably one of the good ones here to start off with. Uh, Yeah, the the
0: biggest mistake I think I've ever seen is uh, people feeling like social media is much more private than it is. Um, A few years back, I'm in the middle of a negotiation, and this is back when everything wasn't going into multiple offers and. we're negotiating we get stuck right we're we're at a price we're the sellers we're not budging on their price we're not budget the buyer isn't coming up anymore and i check my facebook and i see my seller has posted hmm. some buyer is really pissing me off they offered and they say the actual price <laughs> this on my condo <laughs> should i take it and all of these people are commenting, like, "Yeah, you should take it, no, stick to your guns, blah 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 blah, Tell them where to go blah, like and like they have any idea what's going on in the market they're they're getting this advice, but more importantly, uh, these are all people in New West commenting, and the buyer is someone from new West <laughs> and once you get thirty different people commenting, what are the chances yeah. and that for those the buyers- people that don't don't
1: necessarily know new West, it is. Kind of quintessential small town. Where, what are we like? Ten blocks it, by ten blocks. We're kidding. <laughs> you
0: kidding? So
2: yeah, you get thirty comments. Yeah, it's finding its way. Is oh, this
1: the place you were
0: writing off? Yeah, totally. <laughs> so, and I mean, she said her address in it. She, like, like, <laughs> oh she, my god, everything. So, and I mean, she was very stressed. And I got on the phone. and I'm like, you need to delete this right now. And as soon as I explained it, she's like, oh, of course. What have I done? And and deleted it. Um, but I think that's definitely the number one topic. Uh, or the first thing people make mistakes on is uh, putting too much trust yeah. in social media when they're selling yeah. their homes
1: okay I've got I've got one um, probably and not trusting your realtor and I guess that's um, not necessarily like if somebody hires they hire their realtor they trust them obviously that's not necessarily what it is but, but maybe not trusting the process so, you know when you do sit down with your realtor and you come up with here's how we're going to handle things here's maybe the strategy that we're using uh and all of a sudden, yeah, coming back on it, you know. Uh, one thing we have recently, kind of with multiple offers and things like that, is uh, maybe strategically you have certain showing times. Maybe strategically we're going to hold off because we just want to make sure everyone can get through the property, not just take the first one, that like, first so are, offer that comes. Are
0: you talking about like the listing hits on Monday, but you're not going
1: to look at offers for a week until yeah, say until until Tuesday, right? So. We get what we will call you know a bully offer you have somebody that kind of writes something, and our job, regardless of whether we have that plan you know in writing and in place it it's a really good offer right and it's tempting it's tempting um so i mean i've had i 'm sure you guys have had this too before, but where it's it's you come to a situation where you're telling telling them. Please trust the process. We've talked about the process. I do the process on a weekly basis. Uh, we fine tuned it for your specific property, and this is because of what's happening in this marketplace. And uh, that ends up, and then it just it becomes hard when you're dealing with the, with that and not necessarily trusting. I'm sure there's some other. The, the person writing the bully offer, in my experience too,
0: is willing to pay more than whatever they write oh, yeah. on bully offer, and they're always still, they're still around on the you know on the on the offering day. They never really go anywhere. <laughs> So I don't. I don't think I've ever had one disappear, like not come back.
1: Mm. I've I've had one um, where they were sort of just in town for a short period of time, um, and it was. Oh, that's what they told you. You can email. I got okay. So through s- this thing called the internet. I don't want to get into this too much because it's it's a whole other no, sort of a strategical point that can happen. Um, but you can leverage that that bully offer to get what you need. Yeah,
2: but end, as far anyways. as a mistake so. that a seller can make, though, right? I mean, it's it's about if hearing land. Yeah, they got that. They you know, they, they, it's a cooperative relationship that we have with our clients. We get really close to them, and when we're yeah. giving them that advice, it's is coming from a really good place in a place of experience and professionalism and it goes back to your example of social media where they're going looking to their friends on the internet to compete to say take it don't take it use this tactic or that tactic yeah. when they've hired Jeff the professional to give precisely that advice I'm going to put that on my card Jeff the professional <laughs> <laughs> you know and it, so and, and you said your client was so stressed feeling really stressed about the whole thing yeah um, but if she had to maybe just put more trust in you, you know, that could have been handled in a, maybe an easier
0: way. And in fairness mm-hmm. to her, I was probably 25. This is like... Oh, like this is a while ago. ago. Yeah, okay. <laughs> like Facebook had been around for like a year. So A, nobody was savvy yet. Okay. And yeah. B... Uh, so maybe she, she shouldn't have trusted no. you well I, <laughs> he, didn't I even had, he didn't even have a Facebook account back then <laughs> I thought I knew what I was doing when I was 25 but you know it's
1: hard to trust you at 25. and I think too like, like again it's it's something that you use Facebook and you, you ask for advice from your friends and people you trust and loved ones yeah that's so the point it makes sense yeah <laughs> but in this application probably not the right thing to do yeah
2: well and they you know our clients need to trust us and trust our advice and that comes down to when they're getting their house ready too and that is the first and most important mistake that I think of when sellers are getting their house ready, is we all know that staging is necessary and important. And even when our clients bring us in now, they're looking for us to take care of that. But we do get the odd one who thinks that the market is so strong, they've heard us tell these stories about multiple offers and how it sells in the first week and people are lining up, that they don't need to do the work anymore. Yeah. They can just open their doors and the interest will come, the offers will come, and they're selling regardless of what attention they yeah. give to their house. Um, you know what? And they're not wrong.
0: No, they might be leaving $20,000 on the table for five hours of work. And that's
2: exactly it. <laughs> yeah.
1: I don't, I, I have, when I mean, we've fallen into that trap before, I'm sure all of us a little bit, um, a lot of times I'll just tell people like, there's a point though, where these things cumulatively are adding up to this house needs work. And we don't want that just because it needs a deep clean. Or this is a project or something or they're like I don't like if you just took another weekend to just clean a little bit more a little decluttering um you're really going to show it in its best light and that's where I think yeah you are leaving you're leaving money money on the table
0: I I had a client who was a big reader and she had she had bookshelves lining the walls like it you felt like you were a hundred square feet out of it yeah a (laughs) hundred percent like on every side you're losing a foot either way because of bookshelves and I asked her to pull them all out no way no way no way and we were on the market for two months and no offers, no offers, no offers. And I, I came to her and she's like, well, why isn't it selling? And I'm like, okay, we've got two options. We can reduce the price 10 grand, or we can get the bookshelves out. She's like, I'll get the bookshelves out. <laughs> <laughs> and we sold the next week. <laughs> like,
1: it's amazing, right? In her defense, though, books are really heavy. They are really heavy. They were going
0: to have to get
2: moved regardless. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's usually the logic I make. It's like, you're moving this stuff yeah. anyway. But it was
0: Let's a 600-square-foot apartment,
1: so you take a foot off every... Oh, a cig- wow. Yeah, that's right. a yeah. big difference, right? You it know, wasn't like the library in a big house. No, it, it
0: was a little... Tiny one-bedroom condo. Oh, yeah. yeah. and, and
2: I think when we bring up these mistakes, they usually come from a place where the seller isn't entirely wrong. Like, so as far as a seller here, if they assume they don't have to do a ton of prep and staging, they're not wrong. Their house will sell.
0: Right. Yeah.
2: But a buyer sees clutter, grime, wear and tear. They see it as way more than just aesthetic. Mm-hmm. Right. And to them, it might be a sign that the home hasn't been cared for. Or they just look at that work and think that it's going to be way more than it actually is. And the common feedback that I typically get when I'm out with a buyer, and you probably guys get the same thing, when it's just like... It's, it's, let's just say it's dirty, right? It's mm. dirty. Floors are kind of worn in. As they say, this needs a full reno. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> right. How often do we actually hear that, right? They go through, oh, full reno. You know, really? We're, we're calling this a full...
0: Well, and, and it applies to more than that too, right? Because sellers... They see how you do one thing, or buyers rather. They see how you do one thing, and they assume that's how you do everything. So if you walk in and it's well, it looks like ship shape and it's well taken care of, they're going to assume, oh, these people took care of their home. If it's a pigsty, the question is, what am I not seeing?
1: Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've got one uh, access for showings. Um, I know, and I hope beat heads a little bit maybe on this one because. Um, I know some people like to strategically wait until, you know, you list a property on Monday and no one's getting in there. I thought we were sticking to the plan. (laughs) (laughs) Until, well, it depends if that's your your plan, that that you're only going to let someone in there on a Saturday, then that's fine. Um, And I, I, I actually just had to do that on a property, so I shouldn't actually be pointing fingers. Um, But access to showings in, in a sense of, um, and maybe not so much in this market, but in, in, more of a balanced market where you have a seller. And again, not ragging on sellers here, but maybe you you. Well, this oh, the
0: topic is mistake sellers. Mistake sellers. So we can, we
1: can <laughs> and again, bit. it comes from <laughs> it
2: usually comes from a place of innocence, yeah. and then there's just a bit of an error there. But yeah. like,
1: no, we really didn't feel like having showings on Tuesday for whatever reason. Yeah. Um, and uh, they just need sprint. to realize the the importance, right? That it's 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 you know, hopefully this is only going to be a week. So. Yeah. If, if that person could be the person that's going to buy it let's get them in the door I know it's going to be inconvenient there's nothing fun about this process unless you're sitting down with 12 offers and they're all amazing um, but getting people in your house having strangers in there yeah, it, you have to live in the house and make it look showroom ready and still be able to feed your kids and everything I get it um, but let's get people in the house as much as possible I've got one I've got a uh, uh, I'll say a recent client in the past year um, <laughs> he has a habit of doesn't lock his door is he a, he's in a condo building um, he's like yeah, just buzz me and I'll go to my cell phone So <laughs> I get the clicker that's fine just buzz me I'll let you and in and my door is always locked <laughs> my door is always unlocked <laughs> so like okay I guess this kind of works for now but when 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 showing start we're going to need to have that access but um, you know everyone's a bit different and for that person that individual that was uh, that was fine right just I'll just use because now the, the, the buzzer phones will go right to their cell phones so yeah. I don't see the see the problem. It's yeah. a funny. That's a one off. That's not a normal situation. But
2: when it comes to me and my business access to the listing, sellers do make mistakes on that front because they think, well, you know, you just kind of work with it. But we need to make it as easy as possible. And yeah, that scenario works. You can call the guy on his cell phone and buzz. But you know, how often do we call people and they don't answer their phone in that moment where you need to be there? And it's just it. That very moment, you need to get in the door. You're all standing there now outside. Maybe it's cold and it's raining. You can't even just get indoors because oh, you had to call the guy three times That's just true. to get him to answer. He was just talking. He was in an important conversation, and he just had to wait three minutes. But that is a bad start to the showing <laughs> this of is that pre,
1: property. This is pre actually on the market, but still.
2: Yeah, but but not, you're conceptually yeah, though, right? Yeah, Where sure. it's just it's yeah. it's a small mistake, but it can have a big impact. And the same goes with we're talking about condos, getting keys.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Like, give me a fob to get in.
1: If you have a storage locker, storage
2: locker, parking, like allow me access to see those areas so if somebody's interested we can actually get in Mm -hmm. and the same goes for a single family house I don't know how many times you sell a house or you're there showing a house and they're going oh we don't have a key for the garage What? (laughs) the house comes with a garage right yeah Uh, you know you can't show it to me Nope. That's in the box <laughs> Yeah I mean I get it It is a rectangle Probably
1: <laughs> Full of junk That was in their house Yeah All, all the books From the uh, they, they, they took the Matt's advice put <laughs> they they it in the garage To get it ready And they
0: put it In they the They put it all in the
2: garage And they said Nobody in You know So I, I get where that comes from But it's a very common mistake From sellers And they will help themselves If they can allow The agent For the buyer To show every part Of that property Yeah Yeah
0: Hmm
2: so, what was the next one that we had?
0: I think you wanted to talk about... Oh, I do what? have
2: another one. I've got so another one. That yeah. was your add-on I to it. My, my I keep adding spending. on to everything, because I guess I think <laughs> sellers make a lot of mistakes. <laughs>
0: but they can learn from them. <laughs> so, it, and, and in fairness, we could do the top 300 mistakes realtors make. Yeah. That's, that's just not what we're talking about
2: right now. No, and I mean, for the three of us here, we probably don't make any of them.
1: No, and we're, <laughs> and we're not technically allowed to rag on other. Realtors. One of us makes a lot of mistakes. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so let's talk about the seller mistake um i find this a lot because we've talked about it as we've gone through the mistakes here uh, one common theme is that it is hard to get your home ready to sell it is a lot of work you know the decluttering the staging all the rest of it and when we get down to it when we get down to that last part there's usually some minor repair that we've been ignoring we myself like being a homeowner Mm-hmm. right something that we didn't get to and I find that they there's just, lots of stuff in my house that I just haven't gotten to yet yeah and you probably won't until you sell it I hope not I hope <laughs> not
1: because there's I'm missing a bathroom right now <laughs> <laughs> Yeah,
2: you know, but there's last little bits and you got to get people to get to it and sometimes that's hard but they'll, they'll just ignore those things it might be uh, just a toilet that runs you know and somebody walks into the bathroom you just hear this
0: so what do you do when you are talking to a seller and you're saying I think you should fix this and the seller says, oh, just tell the buyer to write it into the contract. that will fix it. Yeah. yeah. Just
2: write it in. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think it's probably going to come up a lot when we talk about our process as agents. And to me, it all boils down to psychology. And when we're bringing a buyer through a home, it's about keeping them in a positive mindset. So from my perspective, when I look at my business and I'm talking with the seller, it's we want them always to be in a positive mind. And as soon as we start putting negatives in front of them and then starting and then try to fix it, why, why do we have to take a negative and turn it into a positive positive? we can just have a positive there to begin with? And that's the message that I give there is we just don't want to have to have the conversation about the thing that's broken. If it was never broken to begin with, all we're seeing is positives. More good, more good, more good. A home that was really well taken care of presents itself better and better. gets more interest, more offers.
0: Well, uh, I've got number six here, and that is using uh, comparable sales data that is out of date. And what got me thinking about this was I have a very good client named Joe. Uh, he's one of my favorite clients. Is that a made-up name? No, his his real name is Joe. Hi, Joe. Uh, Joe, uh, we were writing an offer on a property. And as you guys know, and we've been talking about, everything's going into multiple offers. We were writing on a two-bedroom condo in Coquitlam. And we're talking about what number we should write as our offer. And Joe says to me, Well, the last two sales are, and he quotes me numbers. And right now, the market is going up so fast that um, a sale two months ago is probably low by at least 20 grand, maybe even more. And I said to Joe, Well, where did you get these sales info? Because I'm not seeing them. And he says, I pulled them up from BC Assessment. And he sends them to me, and I'm, I'm looking them up, and they are not the most two recent sales at all. And so he actually emails to me, and he's right. There, there are, BC Assessment has the two latest sales in this building as X and Y, but they're not the two latest sales on MLS. And what we figured out was BC Assessment, when you're pulling up past sales, pulls them up by completion date. Right. When mm-hmm. title transfers. Yeah. So when MLS has sales data, this is when the contract was written or when subjects were removed, yeah, if there know. were subjects. So, Joe is looking at the two most recent title transfers. Those, the titles, a... those offers were written three, 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 three or ago. four months ago. Yeah. They're off base by 30 or 40 grand. And if we'd gone by those numbers, uh, we would have lost the multiple by a mm-hmm. lot. Um, so I think really right now making sure that when you're looking at sales data, you're looking at it within a market that is up to date and, and understanding how fast the market is moving right now. Yeah. I think is really... So Joe got the place? Joe, Joe did, did get the place. Oh, good job, Joe. Yeah. Story ended. Yeah. Happy.
2: You a way,
1: a great way to end. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the
2: BC
0: assessment is a trap from every perspective.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> oh,
0: yeah. Like, Something we can agree on. Like like bonus topic number seven is assuming your assessment reflects market value. Yeah.
2: Well, I think that's the same. Yeah, you know, We're talking about mistakes sellers make. I mean, yeah. that's how they start, usually before they call sellers in a realtor.
1: And buyers.
2: Yeah, but before a seller ever calls in an agent... First thing they look at I is their assessed value. <laughs> yeah, they're like, oh, I got a baseline here. I saw my assessment.
0: Well, and it's hard, right? Because right now we get to deliver good news. Most of the time <laughs> you sit down and you're like, hey, you, just so you know your assessment, you're doing better. But in past markets, when you had to tell people, hey, that number that you're paying tax based on has nothing to do with the value of your home.
1: And that was, I just did an evaluation on a property. And speaking of out of out of date, those are, they're done, correct me if I'm wrong, wasn't it like July or when, when they start the... Yeah, the process for deals. those? The computer, yeah, the, the computer that the, the, analyzes the, the, the figures? The figures de-
2: come from sales around July. Yeah. yeah. So that's the timeline that they're taken from and then they're published on yeah.
1: January 1st. I was in a building that had three really good sales in the past three months. Mm-hmm. So not reflected at all. But yeah, those discrepancies all over the map. Don't look at that as uh, the be all end all of pricing. Yeah. So
0: those are our top six uh, mistakes sellers make. Um, we would love to hear what mistakes you think sellers make, or what you think about what we said. Uh, send your feedback to feedback at m o show. Matt, I've got the I've got our email address wrong. What is our, our, our feedback? You're gonna, you're gonna feedback. learn it one day. Jeff. I'm gonna learn it. So feedback yeah. at mo Show. Sure. We're going to get you to
2: stop talking, M-O- Jeff. M M-O-, <laughs> M-O.
0: I'm
1: your host. M-O- hold M-O- the
2: phones. M-O- hold your horses. We're, we're a, a very v- new podcast.
1: <laughs> okay. Um, what do you got? got Debbie knows the email. I, I would like Nobody you knows to... Nobody who Debbie is.
2: <laughs> Please just send your feedback to feedback at M-O-realestateshow.com. mo show. M-O-real-estate-show. Com.
1: Feedback at
2: feedback at mo real estate Oh, I got it right. You
1: forgot the real estate
2: part. You didn't say estate. Mo
1: oh
0: real estate. Even show. I'm writing this down. Matt, that's a really long email address. Mo real estate Is that right? Yeah. Feedback yeah. at real estate show <laughs> <No. laughs> <laughs> Is it easy? You stop talking, we're gonna have to edit this out.
1: <laughs> Is it easier to remember if it's more ale states how? We'll okay. get into all that later. Okay. Uh, One last
2: time and then we're moving on. Please, okay. we we do welcome your feedback. We want your input. Feedback at mo
0: Perfect. And uh not just feedback, we want your questions. Uh because right now we're just asking each other questions of the week. Check out the big brain on bread.
1: That's it working out for you what being clever
2: who knows where thoughts come from they just appear you're listening to multiple offers a real estate show
0: okay so for our question of the week uh i wanted to ask you guys um what because we're brand new here what your secret origin is how did you guys get into real estate and i can't believe i've I've known you guys like forever i don't actually know. I think I know a little bit of Matt's story, but I, I have no idea how Jared got into real estate.
1: Do you want me to start? Sure. Yeah, let's do it. Or should we save the best for last? Are you saying here the best? <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I, I took a two-week course, and uh, here we are three weeks later, and uh, <laughs> I'm in charge of selling uh, your your most expensive asset. <laughs> um, I was licensed 2000 end of 2008, so I didn't didn't really quite start until. Right. right in January 2009 I want to know why I know why did you? I- get I'm getting, getting there <laughs> patience <laughs> um. but yeah no so I, I, I started book before that I was uh, had a couple of different different jobs that were sort of my main jobs um, one of which was like caregiving jobs working with with people that have issues um, uh, but the other one was was construction uh, building houses renovating houses things like that and if you know anything about building houses, you are outside a lot and in the rain and it's cold and it's Mm -hmm. sore. And I'm not really probably built that well for that kind of work. Um, so yeah, I got tired of being sore and wet and cold. Um, and, uh, always have loved, always loved working with people, always loved architecture, design, things like that. Renovation. It just seemed like for me, it just seemed like a perfect fit to kind of get all those things into one. Um, and really, uh, it's kind of a limit when it comes to, to construction. unless I say you start your own company and things like that. But uh, I was actually just working with a friend. Um, but, anyways, that was kind of how for me. Yeah, I kind of got into it, and then obviously, I wanted to get into how you become a realtor. But uh, <laughs> was it what you thought it would be? Absolutely not. <laughs> what did you think? Um, I didn't realize how hard it was going to be. You know, if I'm honest, it was. I thought, you know, you're, you take this exam and you're a nice person and people like you and they will just let you give you the keys to their house and they will let you sell it and everybody will want to use you. Little did I know, um, a lot of people know a lot of realtors. There are a lot of us and, um, yeah, not everybody wants to just trust you with that or be your first, (laughs) (laughs) nobody wants to be, be your (laughs) first Okay, I'll, I'll try I'll see what you can do here with this um, so I didn't know and I, and I feel um, I mean I don't know if I can, I can say this uh, but I, I didn't feel like the course really equipped me the course either. has nothing to do with selling yeah and I don't can we say that can we we can't dog other we're not dogging other realtors no I, I don't think <laughs> or, or I think board. that's fair to say
0: the, the course is funded what? by well, the reason
1: emissions they're redoing it though a full revamp yeah. but that's because it was wrong
0: when I took the course, the course was law and math. Yep. And
1: vendor take back mortgages.
0: And I don't remember the last time I didn't just jump on the internet and use a mortgage calculator for mortgage math.
1: Yeah. You you the course, course
0: or the test? Both.
1: The course? Okay. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. The course was like a one week. It's supposed to be called like applied practice or something yeah. to that oh, the,
0: Yeah. So there's two courses, right? There's the pre-licensing, which is what I'm talking about. And you're talking about the post-licensing course. Yeah. Is that correct? Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah.
2: Well, you were talking about the pre-licensing the, before the test? Well, the
1: pre-licensing. I okay. would say that, yeah, the post-licensing was probably the more practical side, but there were huge gaps. It
2: was an attempt at being practical, mm-hmm. but there they still was, didn't even show you what a contract looked like.
1: I wouldn't, do you know the the severity of what we we're dealing with? um and and it's it's fluid right i mean we we talked about earlier at the beginning of the episode that hey someone who just started they only know this market well luckily i mean we've all been doing this for a long, fairly long time now that we've kind of experienced these different markets but the way you conduct yourself for for dealing with listings for dealing buyer buyer strategies um clauses you use to protect clients all these things so um the very small part that i thought of real estate was and i didn't come from a background i never my family was where dad was a boat captain um i didn't i knew nothing about real estate that's at that point i never that sounds awesome (laughs) i I, I never bought or sold something like even personally i was Mm -hmm. still renting at that point so i really had not been through the process yeah it's a big leap of faith here's your license yeah (laughs) go sell something so um yeah, for me, it was it was a bit of a struggle in the in the beginning, and it, it's definitely up to I guess almost ten years now. Um, took took a while to get there, but uh, it was a, yeah, it was much much much. My advice for anybody getting into it is it's probably not not anywhere near what you think it is. Um, and join a team so you can learn learn from somebody who's been doing it. And you'll you'll actually hit the ground running rather than trying to make all the mistakes that some other guys already made.
2: Yeah, well, that was me. I started with the team. (laughs) And and I'll get to that first. So how did I become a realtor, right?
0: What is your secret origin? My secret
2: origin. Uh, So I was in sales jobs ever since I got out of university. Um, And I always had a feeling that real estate was something that I liked, but I I knew it was going to be a very challenging business to go into. And I had this idea that you needed to be able to survive for a certain number of months without any income before you could do it. So you had to essentially build up a, a cushion just to go and give yourself that opportunity to go for it. So that was something I had in the back of my mind. And then uh, I bought my first property with my wife uh, in 2008. It doesn't really matter when we bought it, but we went through the experience and we had a few things go terribly wrong. Hmm. And I didn't know what a realtor was supposed to do. I just knew that I wanted to solve the problem because I wanted to go forward and have a
0: home to live in. What were some of the things that went wrong?
2: <laughs> the negotiation was difficult, for one, I made all the decisions. The agent would just call me and say, the counter offer is this.
0: So you weren't getting the guidance. I got
2: no guidance. It was just, this is what it is. And then I would call back and say, mm. do this. And the agent would say, okay. And they'd call me back and tell me what the outcome was. And I'd say, now do this. Mm. And they'd call me back and tell me what the outcome was. And eventually, you know, we reached an outcome that I was satisfied with. So we got an accepted offer. Uh, we actually had a firm offer. And then I sent a note that said, hey, reminder, Mr. Seller, we had a few agreements. Here's a few things that you just need to remove and repair before you move out. Just a reminder, we talked about these things. Three days later, we get a message. I've made a mistake. This is the seller. I've made a mistake. I did not realize what I was really getting myself into in moving. I don't want to move.
1: Uh Mm. That's a
0: horrible situation.
2: And we were young. It was absolutely all we could afford. It was the, the best we could get into for the money we had. And the next options out there would cost us another $20,000, which was just out of the picture for us. So we're fighting tooth and nail going, no, we've been looking around. This is the place we want. Like, what do we do? So then we went through this whole ordeal with that. Again, I solved the problem. I didn't feel my agent was doing a lot to get involved. I called them up and they said, this is really unique. I don't really know what to do. I'm not really sure what to do. So I ended up just working it out. And I said, here's an option. Really, part of what happened was the seller called me directly, found my phone number, just phoned me and said, I'll give you $10,000 if you go away.
1: The seller is offering you $10,000? Yeah. Is this, is this a away? seller's remorse thing? Yeah. Has the market's gone up? No. no the market. 2008. The market, the oh, had, had the, the, the was, market was still honor. hot.
2: This is early oh, this 08. this is before the crash. Early 08, before we crashed.
0: Did you end up buying this property?
2: I, no, I didn't.
1: So you took the
0: $10,000? Yeah. I bet that seller regretted that.
2: Um, he stayed there for like another seven
0: years. Oh, so he's fine. Yeah, he really <laughs> did want to move. <laughs> fine. This is completely unrelated to the
2: story, but it was a spite sale. He just, he was having an issue with the Strata and said, I'm getting out and then realized that that was way too much work for him. Uh, so he settled, and then I called the realtor and said, well, this guy's offered me this much, and my wife and I would agree to that. Uh, let's just get a lawyer to write up a release agreement because this all feels way too weird.
0: Hmm.
2: Didn't get a lot of advice or help there. Went to a lawyer. Lawyer kind of did a really crummy job too, so I felt like I was doing all of it. Okay. Ended up buying another place that was the Amir image floor plan, two units over, and that was the place I lived in for five years, and mm-hmm. I bought it for about... $10,000 more than the other one that I had the offer on. And the only reason mm-hmm. why I never put an offer on that first one to begin with is because the one I ended up living in is because I couldn't afford it. Okay. So I went through all of this ordeal, was not a realtor, learned a lot. I learned a ton. Hmm. So I was telling them my friends would go and they'd be buying or talking about buying places and I was just sharing my story, sharing my
0: advice. Were you telling them what to do on Facebook?
2: Facebook wasn't really a thing <laughs> yet, Jeff. <Jennifer. laughs> I uh, found myself sharing the stuff and I enjoyed helping them. I knew I was helping them. Mm-hmm. I felt like I had really good information to provide. And that I was good at finding solutions to these things. So a few, a few years had to go by after that where I built up the cushion that I had. And I was going through a couple of different jobs, bouncing through them. Realized that the reason why I was changing jobs was not the employer's fault. It was mine. I was not doing a good job dealing with authority in the workplace. Mm -hmm. I tended to butt heads with my superiors. They wanted me to do things a certain way and I'd find it it either didn't fit with my moral standard or ethics and I would just refuse and it didn't work. (laughs) So I went into business for myself and that's how I ended up in real estate. And back to my very first point, I joined a team. I joined our office immediately because I had the assumption that we had a number of good agents there. turns out I was right. And I hoped if I showed my face around a lot, somebody would pick me up and show me how to do it the right way. And they did.
0: Did you join the office before you joined Correct. the team?
2: I joined as an individual and I was there for about a month. And I just, I went every day and I just hovered. And I went with the intention of hoping I would get picked up onto a team. Hmm. I wanted to learn how to do it the right way.
0: Okay. And
2: then, so I had a mentor for three years and, uh, and he's retired now. Hmm. You want to tell us your story, Jeff, or is it super secret?
0: My scene. super <laughs> secret origin story? Yeah, I'll, I'll tell you my origin story. Um, So as you guys know, my my dad's been selling real estate for, I feel like it's 40 years. At this point, it's a long time. Yeah, he he wins the long timer award. Yeah. And so I spent most of my life telling people I wasn't going to go into real estate. (laughs) I will never. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I I can't tell you how many parties somebody, you know, I'm six and people are like, when are you going into real estate? And my answer was usually never. Um, Because unlike what Jer was saying, I saw how many hours dad worked. I saw that he was always working, that it was it was a big commitment. And I, I think at my meanest, angriest teen self, I remember Uh, talking to my dad about what I was going to do and at that point I was pretty sure I was going to be an Academy Award winning actor. (laughs) But um, uh, Dad was talking about options and he's like, well, you know, I can always teach you about real estate and I remember saying, no, I want a job where I can see my kids once in a while. Yeah, I was a jerk. Um, So I I was convinced I would never go into real estate Um, and I ended up through trying to act, I ended up working in the film industry and I got into... Uh, the crew side of things after I realized that um, waiting tables was not the most uh, enjoyable part of being an actor. Uh, So I ended up... uh, It is a prerequisite, though. Oh, 100%. (laughs) So I was working on crew, I was working in motion capture, and I I was working for EA, and I remember it was an entire week where I was starting at 6 a.m., finishing at about 8 p.m., we were in a studio, we were shooting. It was wintertime. I'd get there, it would be dark out. I'd leave, it would be dark out. It had been over a week since I'd seen daylight. And I thought, well, I'm working the hours already. Why don't I do a job where I actually get to interact with people? And uh, if the only reason I didn't want to go into real estate was I didn't want to work the hours. I'm already working the hours. Real estate is a lot more enjoyable. And like you, Matt, I had a boss who I hated. Uh, my boss used to tell me that my only job was to make him look good, and, uh... A great place to come from. Yeah, yeah, really, really great, uh, situation. So, um, I decided to, uh, jump in, but I, the advantage of having my dad in is I actually knew what I was getting into. Yeah, yeah for sure. Um, which was, which was huge. Hmm. Yeah, so um, you're still working with your dad, right? I am still working with dad. Uh, we've been working together for over a decade. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah,
2: yeah. I couldn't do that. Sorry, dad.
0: You ever think of branching out? Uh, 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 yeah, yeah. Th- thanks, dad. Uh, I I'm gonna go out on my own. No, no, never. We dad and I have a great. I mean, we're a family business, right? So, um, yeah. Those are our origin stories. Those are the origin stories. <laughs> That's where those, we came those, from. <laughs> Those are our stories. Matt, I I think you you have a story not to do with us. It's story
2: time with Jer.
1: Great story. Compelling and rich. It's not always my story? No, it's not always your story. What if Matt
0: has an awesome story to tell?
1: Well, he can tell it to me or write it down and I will (laughs) paraphrase. This is Multiple Offers, a real estate show.
2: It's a real estate story. It's a real
0: estate story.
2: Yeah, is. this is my experience. And, uh, you know, we hear these stories, we share them around the office. We learn a lot from them, have a good laugh at the same time. Um, but this one's about how sometimes realtors become their own worst enemy in the process. And in all of their efforts to do what I think I think they're trying to help their buyer, end up upsetting the seller in this very competitive market when we're doing multiple offers. And uh, this one goes to, it's really quite simple. And uh, I mean, as a listener, you hear this, it probably would upset you if you were the seller and you heard about it. You know, we're getting ready for multiple offers. This agent is very aware. He knows there's probably going to be five or six offers uh, that day, actually. And he sends an email and asks some pretty pointed questions. Some of them are with respect to the Strata, and I really had no need to answer them, and we won't go into that. We figured out what to do there, but they were unnecessary questions. But one of them was, I notice in the Strata, there's a special levy here for about $4,000 to paint the exterior. I'm curious, is your, your client there, are they selling because uh, they have twins and they need to move out of their condo, or is it because they can't afford the levy? <laughs> 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 I didn't tell my client, and if you're listening now, that is not the person who got the (laughs) the offer. Because, honestly, I wouldn't blame them. If they knew that that person had asked that question leading up to offer presentation, they would say, who was that? I want to know. And their offer is certainly getting less consideration now.
0: Hey, just curious. Is your seller poor? Do they... they
2: Yeah. (laughs) How does this change your offer? You are one of six. Oh, well, you know what? They can't afford the $4,000 levy. We're talking about $600,000. Well, this is going okay. to make a big difference
0: Because in a multiple offer You're not competing with the seller You're Well, you're
1: not even negotiating with the seller You're competing with the other buyers so. Yeah We have seen offers come in with comparables, though Yeah, so I, I love you know, when I'm you get so a multiple offer <laughs> some comparables. Yeah, and usually <laughs> it's
0: like Ten grand under when everybody's ten grand over yeah, Here's my guy.
2: justification for writing you a crummy offer it's like, it doesn't matter Yeah so I'll take the best one, and you know I think we've all got different stories of how you can upset the seller in these multiples too. I mean that's just one that would blow my mind that this guy would even ask that, um, but certainly wasn't bringing it up because he was just hurting himself. Yeah, you know, but you sure get these guys is. who want to come in and they say, "Oh, let me present, let me present, let me present, let me present." You know, and for our listeners who don't know, we used to be common practice.
0: Used to be common practice, very. Very rare nowadays. Always
2: sat down in person. If you represented the buyer, you'd go there in person and sit down in front of the seller and their agent and make a short presentation, but you'd want to make a personal
1: impact. But someone like that, because there's already these red flags, you would probably you'd explain to them that this is probably isn't someone you're going to want to sit at a table with. I,
0: I had a seller throw a realtor out of a presentation no once. And she ended up winning, but the buyer's... Decided they needed to come back for a second look. And the seller was like, that's fine. The realtor cannot step foot in my house. (laughs) (laughs) Tell her she can wait on the curb.
2: (laughs) And the amazing part of that is that agent walked through the door to see your
0: seller thinking they were helping. Oh, yeah. I I actually know the agent. She's lovely. Just things went... Took a turn for the worse. And and it unraveled really fast. It's
2: amazing, right? So, you know, these guys... Sometimes we're our own worst enemy, I guess. Hmm.
0: Well, I I think that's going to about do it for today. Uh, Next time, we're going to come back. We've talked about seller mistakes. We're going to go over, I think, mistakes buyers make. Um, This has been Episode 2 of Multiple Offers, a real estate show with competing perspectives. If you want to get a hold of us, you can email at... Feedback at mo real estate. No, it's not feedback. What is it? It is, is, feedback. It? It is feedback. It is feedback. You it. Oh, you had it. Feedback at mo real estate show. dot com. Yeah. Hey, I did it, guys. See, I how, want that, cool see how that flows? It, oh, there's so much flow in mo real estate show. <laughs> <laughs> mo, mo show. Mo show. <laughs>
1: Um, yeah, so Matt, you you did not come to the conference, even though we asked you like a hundred times to, to come. Yeah. You said it was because you bought a puppy. Was did you buy a puppy, you, or was it because you bought a new Did car? you buy a puppy to have an
0: excuse not to come to Vegas? Is that the real reason? <laughs> I told
1: you guys <laughs> That's for tempting. months that I wasn't coming. Now, was I right
2: in my reason not to go?
1: No, no, not at no? all. No, <laughs> <laughs> no, you're you, you you missed out. And I don't want to be. I've got a friend that goes to like concerts all the time, and and it's. Every concert was... yo man, you missed... That was the best Just before that we go, what was, that that was your bad. reason for not wanting yeah, well, to go? What was the reason? I don't know. No, I, I didn't want to go
2: because I find the days are way too long. Uh, often these information sessions are hyped to tell you something revolutionary and you go and most of it's regurgitating things you've already heard before. Uh, you're paying to experience that. You're not really getting that experience. And... Uh, I, th- I kind of thought it would kick my ass and I might be holding you guys back because I'm an early riser and I like to just kind of check out and go to bed early and that I, kind of stuff.
0: Jer walked in as I was going out. <laughs>
1: <one
2: morning. laughs> this did happen. <laughs> so, my, yeah,
1: so my beef with them is... And this is applicable because I've, I've... Since we got back, spoken to other people who have had... There, I think it's, it's like an industry thing. So, like, while we were there, we were at a real estate one. Um, there, but there's a helicopter one at the same time. There was a helicopter. Uh, we tried to convince people we were at the
0: helicopter
1: we, convention. Nobody believed us. <laughs> we did not look like a helicopter house. Um, I talked to someone, they, they had an insurance one. I guess it's like the international, if you're at like a big firm or something, that's a lot of things will do the corporate or international global shows there. Um, but I just, I don't know if it's like the best place to have one of those shows. Cause yeah, it's, yeah vegas, vegas. Yeah. yeah sorry that was the main point there um yeah it's in vegas and i don't like you're in these casinos in these conferences for this one in particular you're walking through like a, a mall basically several kilometers miles. is that the mgm mgm so just to get to where the conference area is um it's like a 15 20 minute walk or whatever you end up having your dinner at like nine o'clock and because there's no windows, you're in this huge compound. You have no idea what time it is. The whole place is designed to make you lose track of time. Yeah. <laughs> it seems like it's dinner time. And then it's normal after you have dinner to have maybe a drink or two, maybe a, a quote unquote network or whatever you, you call it. Um, a network or two. Yeah, a network or two. <laughs> and uh, next thing you know, yeah, it's seven in the morning. And Jeff, just, going just waking up to you. are like, what happened? Why is it daylight outside? Um, these things happen. But, but, yeah, it just seems like they should put it somewhere like Delaware or, you know, a place where there isn't anything going on so that you actually, you're not tired because if you're, yeah, you're having dinner at 9 o'clock... Even if you just socialize for a couple hours afterwards, it becomes one o'clock, two o'clock pretty quick. And there's sessions that start at eight or whatever. So. Well,
2: <clears throat> that is what I told you before you went, though. And that's uh, happened at every conference uh, I've gone, no matter where they hold, though. That's what you know, conferences
0: are. You said you saw some amazing speakers. <laughs> okay,
2: but well, that's fantastic. So you did get that part. That's good. Jeremy's point.
0: I saw a speaker. It doesn't
2: matter where it happens. That's how they go. And I didn't want that. So you
0: think this is not a Vegas problem? It is not a Vegas problem. This is a, a convention problem. You let
2: people out of the house. <laughs> they get to go Han Solo. And they're like, oh my god, it's adults and there's no kids and there's no spouse. And I just get to, really? I don't have to phone home? I can just stay out? I can come home when I want to? And, and then they want to like show everybody up like oh my gosh I know how to party do you know how to party because I know how to party watch me party <laughs> <laughs> I've seen it happen in like Regina <laughs>
1: okay so it's not okay so it's, it's not exclusive to Vegas see I this is my first conference this is Matt's competing perspective, perspective. <laughs> so Matt will never go to a conference ever
2: I I I, was, I told you, okay, I used to this, be a speaker at conferences, okay, I hated we're, it. We're all
1: salespeople here. So the musical guest at this conference was Mr. John Bon. Um, bon, Jovi. John bon Jovi. John Bon Jovi. John Bon. John Bon. Yeah. Um, is there a musical guest that would get you there? No. Rise Against. No. Has Jared told you the crazy bad really, religion story? The what story? So, so the, the day before Bon Jovi plays.
2: Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Or, yeah, guys, I love Bon Jovi. I'm paying to hear him on the piano.
1: I'd like this guy I would pay this guy thousand dollars to cover him. But, but if you have a ticket, hang no I'm on, busy, okay. I'll be a free monster. We're, yeah, we, we find this guy who we assume is at Remax who
0: is literally paying the piano player. He starts off with twenty bucks, he's then going hundred bucks, five hundred bucks per Bon Jovi song. All he wants to hear is Bon Jovi. There's another dude who starts paying him not to play any more Bon Jovi. Dude pays a thousand dollars for a Bon Jovi song. So we get all excited And Jer Ends up trying He gets the guy You got the guy tickets Right I did did get him tickets
2: Yeah You seem like a Bon Jovi fan We got tickets tomorrow Yeah Private event
0: I think he thought we were scamming him though. He didn't show up to get his tickets. And I I think he assumed we saw him slamming down thousands of dollars. Yeah well I did I
1: did I did connect with him uh, and he was yeah, like, like I have some, I'm like I'm like here's a picture of us at the place. I know man, I just uh, I dunno, it just didn't work out. I'm like, okay. But it does yeah, it does. You thought you were gonna
0: throw a sack over his head and put him in a van. <laughs> that was that was my one biggest wish.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I just wanna put a bag over a guy's head that has a beard and put him in a van.
2: You guys have good experiences. That's okay.
1: Yeah. So, no, no tigers, no face tattoos. No tigers, no face tattoos.
2: That's not actually a stereotype, right? That just happened in a movie.
1: Oh, that was from a movie. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Did you ever
0: bought uh, a hangover shirt and didn't know it was from I didn't really hang over? Look at this cool shirt. He's I got a have shirt a baby. Oh my.
1: And then I met somebody who had. I'm like, Why does that guy have a baby on his in front of him? You yeah, like this is a Vegas thing? That's it. That's, That's it. it. Thanks for listening. Put, Put a bag it. over it. See ya. Put a bag on it. All right. And scene. And scene.